think that time was possible, so uh, I was scared to go for antenatal. We did not close any of our clinics. It sort of all depends on how governments manage the crisis and whether they're able to keep those services available and open for the women who need them. Hello and welcome to Africa Science Focus, the show that brings science news and development in rural and urban Africa to your headphones. I'm Sally. This week, we find out about the challenges pregnant women have faced while coronavirus control measures have been in place across sub-Saharan Africa. Juliet Banda tells us how she struggled through her pregnancy during the height of the coronavirus pandemic. Juliet's journey shares a spotlight on the shortcomings of maternity care in the region. When, I, when uh, my labor started, because of the wearing of masks, you know, washing of hands, and then you know what, you feel, you're feeling that pain and you're wearing the mask, and you feel that the mask that you're wearing uh, is contributing to the pain. So it was really, really tough for me. If you, you, you may think, for the, for the people that you've interacted with and are talking about labor, it's not something that is simple, it's not something that is easy. So it was cumbersome for me and very hot, very tough for me. Juliet Banda, describing her experience giving birth during the pandemic. Thankfully, Juliet and her child are doing well, but many women and babies may not have been so lucky. Research shows that during the recent Ebola outbreaks in sub-Saharan Africa, fewer women gave birth at medical facilities and the number of mothers and babies who died during or after birth increased. Net Global Editor Fiona Broom and Maternal Health Inequalities Specialist Dr. Laura Soshaz looked at the research to find out what lessons have been learned from the past epidemics. So my name is Laura Soshaz um, and I'm a postdoctoral research officer at the Department of Social Policy and Intervention for the University of Oxford and I work on health inequalities but my background is in maternal health. So talking about maternal health and access to healthcare during the coronavirus restrictions in sub-Saharan Africa and looking back at um, impacts during Ebola, do you think that there are any comparisons that can be made between the two situations? Potentially. Um, And it kind of really depends on how governments react. So essentially what we know from the Ebola epidemic in West Africa many fewer women were managing to access antenatal care and delivery care. Uh, So there were fewer births that were happening in clinics and hospitals. And the problem with that, obviously, is that um, delivering from home can be unsafe. And so we saw big increases in the numbers of stillbirths, of newborn deaths, and unfortunately also in maternal deaths. Um, And so... It it, it sort of all depends on how governments manage the crisis and whether they're able to keep those services available and open for the women who need them. And also whether women feel safe to access those services, whether they feel confident that they will be able to deliver in a health facility without fear of being infected by COVID when they go. And... um 
From your research on Ebola, what were some of the biggest impacts? So um, just to give you the numbers, uh, we estimated that there was a 22 percentage point decrease in access to antenatal care, uh, minus 6% decrease in use of family planning, or rather I should say uh, family planning visits, minus 8 percentage point decrease in facility delivery, and minus 13 percentage point decrease in the use of postnatal care services. And Although we didn't have data on maternal mortality at the population level, uh, we then modeled the impact of those decreases in healthcare service use on mortality. So mortality in terms of stillbirths, in terms of newborns, and in terms of maternal deaths. And we, we found that the, the impact was large. And in fact, that if you added up all of these deaths, it was equivalent uh, to the number who had died from Ebola in Sierra Leone over the same period. Mm. And at what point did these impacts begin to become clear? Was any of this known or suspected during the um, disease outbreak or was it something that was learned afterwards? No, I think people were definitely starting to realise uh, the modelling study we did was commissioned by UNFPA in Sierra Leone uh, because they could see that even though most of the epidemic response was focused on shutting down the Ebola epidemic, they were seeing this other terrible impact, but that no one was really doing anything about or engaging with because all of the focus was just on the Ebola epidemic and not on its more indirect uh, health effects. And to, to your knowledge, have some of these learnings and these lessons been applied to health policies um, across sub-Saharan Africa in order to make sure that in the event of, of future disease outbreaks that women's access to maternal health care can be secured? What I do know is that there has been quite a lot of policy talk about the gendered effect of effects of COVID uh, and the need to pay attention to all these other health services, whether that's maternal health services or HIV or TB or, or essential healthcare services that are perhaps just not as urgent are really being delayed. And, and I think that we're definitely going to see big negative and direct effects of that um, in the years to come. It's not just the data that tells the story of how disease outbreaks impact access to maternal health care. Here's Juliet again to share her experience. I used to attend my antenatal at a private clinic, which had all the necessary equipments and everything. But just for my personal health, what I was advised by um, the dads, it's my child, and the people that uh, were close to me <laughs> that I shouldn't attend antenatal because of coronavirus. The, the lot of messages that we are getting from the media, and uh, you, you remember that time we used to have uh, daily updates. They used to say that as a, as a pregnant woman, you are at risk of contracting coronavirus. So um, those messages, I think, scared me so much such that when it came to attending antenatal, I was very scared. I didn't want to attend antenatal because I felt that nurses, the doctors were in contact uh, with a lot of people and uh, the chances for them to have the coronavirus were high. Many women shared Juliet's concern about contracting the coronavirus while pregnant. 
and international research published in the medical journal the BMJ suggests that pregnant women with COVID-19 may have a higher chance of needing intensive care, are more likely to give birth early, and their newborn babies are more likely to need neonatal care. Doctors say it is essential that health systems maintain maternity services while reducing the chances of pregnant women contracting the virus. Clinical care specialist Dr. Konsit Mwale in Zambia tells Africa Science Focus about the impact on services he has seen this year. At the beginning of the pandemic in March, April, May, public gatherings were not encouraged or recommended as they were taken as events that may spearhead the spread and increase local transmission. So that affected our outreach clinics, which are key with regard to maternal and child health service provision. However, we did not close any of our clinics. While Africa has the fastest growing urban population in the world, many people still live in rural areas. Many of these rural regions have limited health facilities. Outreach is essential to ensure that mothers don't miss out on important health care and education. So when a mother misses antenatal, that creates missed opportunities for health workers to teach the mother on death preparedness, for a health worker to identify risk factors that may lead to poor outcome for both mother and the baby. And some of these uh, missed opportunities include ensuring that mother does not have anemia during pregnancy, ensuring that a mother has good nutritional status, does not have hypertension or raised BP, does not have raised blood sugar or diabetes. Dr. Consit says antenatal care is crucial and he explains what measures he has put in place as the Lusaka Provincial Health Director to reduce the number of casualties during the pandemic. We had a strategy which we are still using to operationalize and continue providing services alongside COVID. We are now operating normally in the midst of COVID by continuing to run community outreach services that target maternal and child health. And I'm happy to inform you that when we review our performance during the COVID period and compare to 2019, there has been no significant change to warrant concern. Almost 70% of global maternal deaths occur in sub-Saharan Africa, while more children under five die in the region than anywhere else in the world. And these sad statistics only got worse during the previous Ebola outbreaks. Dr. Consit says he has not seen a change in mother or child mortality rates during coronavirus. But many women across sub-Saharan Africa, just like Juliet, have struggled to maintain access to maternal health services during the pandemic. Next up on today's show, a question from our listener Blessing Olamide, based on our earlier episode on obstetric fistula, with an answer from EMFM from the Fistula Care Plus project. 
My name is Blessing Olamide. I am 38 years old. I live in Lagos, Nigeria. A friend of mine uploaded a podcast by Science Development Network on Fisula. Stories of the women were really touching, but I'm scared also because my story is a bit similar to that of the women. I gave birth through Cicera session two months ago. Ever since then, I noticed that I cannot hold my urine for long. Sometimes urinate on myself because I could no longer hold it till I get to the toilet. I thought it was normal, but after listening to the podcast, I want to know if my case is fissula. Thank you. My name is Iyama FM. I'm currently the Deputy Director Global Program Operations for the Global Fistula Care Plus Project based out of Washington, D.C. But important to note that once you're leaking urine, it could be one of those three things. What general incontinence. Secondly, it could be atrogenic fistula or actual uh, or the main obstetric fistula as a result of prolonged obstructed labor. Uh, it is difficult to clearly diagnose what the issues are with her. But in both cases, you would have to go to a specialized uh, facility to have it taken care of. I will refer you to a specialized facility to have it taken care of at that point. Right now, they're having fistula repairs at UCH in Ibadan, and Professor Jengbede is leading that. So they can go see Professor Jengbede and one of the foremost surgeons and fistula repairs. Thank you to fistula specialist Yeme FM for answering Blessing's question. We hope that he has given you some insight. Blessing. Do you have a question on health and lifestyle or science in Africa? You too can get an answer from an expert. Send us a text or voice message via WhatsApp to plus 254-799-042-513. You can subscribe to our program, download episodes and leave a review at www.sidev.net. Today's program was produced by Harrison Lewis. The editor was Jackie Opara Fatoye. And the reporters were Jubil Zulu and Sidevnet Global Editor Fiona Broom. I'm Sally Amutabi. See you next Wednesday. This program was funded by the European Journalism Center through the European Development Journalism Grant Program with support from the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation.